0: Do you ever feel like you're trying to get your team motivated, inspired, and engaged to meet and also reach your personal goals or the KPIs of your organization? Staying well while also advancing in your career and maybe even enjoying life? Are you constantly searching for simple, easy to apply, and practical techniques to inspire, motivate yourself and your team? But no matter what you do, despite wanting to lead and perform with intention, your habits just take over? So come on. Let's get you feeling limitless. Pause, reflect, and learn from handpicked subject matter experts that are thought leaders in their field. Let's explore practical tools to make you and your teams feel limitless at the whiteboard. Hello, and welcome to At the Whiteboard. I'm your host, Nicole North, and today I am joined by author Dion England. Hello, Dion.
1: Hi, Nicole. So happy to be here and to talk with you. How are you?
0: Very, very well, thanks. I'm really thrilled to have you here as well. An an, an old
1: friend. Mm -hmm, For sure.
0: It's true. So we met years ago back at Verity.
1: Yes, we did. And um, just stayed connected, I guess, online.
0: It's true. It's true. And I remember, if I'm not mistaken, you led an amazing mastermind group. And I always loved um, the content and, and things that you presented to us and the work that you were doing with your clients. So it really is, um, you know, I'm, I'm humbled that you're, you're here to join us on the podcast today.
1: Oh, that's so nice. Thank you, Nicole. And I'm really looking forward to our discussion today.
0: Well, let's start it off. Tell us about yourself and, and what you do and who you do it for. Give us all the all the background scoop.
1: Sure. So Dion England, um, as you already know, so I describe myself as kind of growing up in the corporate world. I, I make the joke that which is true, that I got my first job um, in high school um, for a bank as a part-time teller and I've been working for large organizations since then. And uh, the joke is, is that it was actually my Girl Guide um, leader who was my reference to get the job. So and since then, I've been working for more years than I'm going to share. But it was a, it's was it been a long time. And then it's transitioned now into business consulting. So now I do a lot of consulting work, again, with large organizations. So I predominantly work with um, folks in corporations. And I've just gotten into in the last couple of years taking the time to start writing. So that's where my author title um, came into play as well. That's right. And what was what was some of the consulting work that you used to do with clients? So I would do I manage large projects for um, large organizations, um, primarily, I've done some work with strategy as well. And I also do some coaching um, with primarily um, middle managers within large organizations, helping them to navigate the challenge of kind of managing up as well as managing down because middle management can be a pretty tough spot for a lot of folks in large organizations. Yeah. And being
0: a manager is tough no no matter where, but that middle position I've often said, you know, you're managing someone else. Someone else is giving you direction. You've got to manage from the top. So it's uh, definitely not an easy place to be. So I'm sure your clients are very, uh, thrilled with that support that you can offer them.
1: Yes. Yes, I hope so. And I can share a lot of the experiences that I've had, um, both personally as well as through other folks that I've worked with. So it is really a great um, opportunity that I have that I, and I really enjoy that work.
0: Amazing. So tell us about the book that you've most recently written. Uh, what is it? What's it about? And, and what was the kind of inspiration to write it?
1: So, the book is called Thrive Despite the A Holes at Work. Um, Do your best work regardless of your work environment. So, really, um, the inspiration from this is that we spend so much time at work. And um, speaking from my own experience, as well as people that I work with, sometimes there are people at work who can really drive us crazy, get under our skin. Um, And what I find is a lot of um, the folks that we think are there to antagonize us, to make our lives difficult, all they are are just folks who are. Um, They see the world a little bit differently than we do. They approach their work a little bit differently. They think differently. And this, of course, can be frustrating because it would be great if we were just around people who are all like us, saw the world like us, Um, agreed with all of our decisions so sometimes what we interpret as difficult personalities are just people who see the world differently and of course there's all sorts of research and commentary on the fact that it is actually those differences that allow us to make better decisions um, and more creative um, ideas and so forth so really the inspiration of the book is to help people to be self-aware realize that sometimes that nobody is really getting up in the morning to drive us nuts. And sometimes we just need to be aware of the fact that um, it just might be a challenging situation. And that's the reason why we're feeling, you know, under pressure.
0: Amazing. And I love the punchy title. Mm-hmm.
1: There is nothing
0: more satisfying than a business book um, that actually can make, uh, make light of things.
1: Yes. Well, totally. It's about making light of things. And the thing is, cause I did think a few a little hard and fast about the title, because of course it's like, well, is that gonna offend people and stuff like that. There are other words like challenging personalities, difficult personalities. But the thing that I found is that whenever, and this always came up, whether it was um, in a coaching session or whether it was um, out with friends, I always got this story about somebody at work and they never said, oh, this person who had a challenging personality. Oh, this person, <laughs> never. Never. It was consistently this a-hole at work is doing this. So I'm like, you know what? That's what it has to be called because that's the true, that's how people view it.
0: I, I think it's fantastic. And, you know, um, I've always been um, deep into the world of personality assessments and, and understanding those different personality types and becoming self-aware so that we can more easily deal with others. And I think... Um, you know what you're writing about adds a lot of value to people because I think people really, truly take things to heart. They think it's a personal attack. Sometimes people think this person is literally trying to make my life miserable. Um, and once we can start to really appreciate the, the differences, the different styles, the different working styles, different communication styles, and how people interact like that, we really can start to say, oh, this has nothing to do with me. This is just the way that Dion likes to communicate best, right? This is not, okay. this is not Dion being um, curt or aloof with me. This is just her style. And that's okay. And as soon as I can understand that, I can take the pressure off myself that it's something like, oh, I think Dion hates me.
1: <laughs> totally. And the thing as well, um, that I've like I said, I've also experienced a lot of this stuff myself. Is there's so much energy and stress and anxiety caught up when we do think that people are out to get us, they're out to undermine us, they want us to look bad. They, there's so much anxiety around that when really what we want to be able to do is go to work and use up most of our energy trying to do our best work, right? So when we can just get rid of all of that drama that's going on in our head, it really does liberate a lot of time and energy so that we can, you know, focus on the thing that we're, we're showing up to do. That is a
0: beautiful way to phrase it. Mm-hmm. Once we can free up the energy that we're using, you know, combating someone else, fighting someone else, fighting our inner demons <laughs> with how we're interacting with others, we're really able to, to turn that energy to what we're supposed to do and hopefully what
1: brings us joy. Totally. That's, that's the whole point of why I really thought it was important to write about it. I think that's so exciting. And so
0: who is this book for? Who, who, who needs to buy this book immediately?
1: You know what? To be honest, and I hate to say, oh, it's for anybody. Who for <laughs> um, it is definitely for, um, particularly if people find themselves working in big teams um large diverse groups and you're finding that you are having challenges communicating with people that there's lots of misunderstanding if you if you actually do feel as though there are a lot of people at work that are out to get you this will be I think a good um perspective for you because I actually break the book into two parts in the first part of the book it's all about you It's all about self-awareness. It's all about you getting real with yourself and having real conversations and saying, am I insecure or is that person trying to undermine me? And realizing maybe I am a bit insecure here and this person is just kind of pushing my buttons. So I think that anybody who's... who it feels a bit challenged sometimes with some of the personalities that they have to deal with. I would like to have be a stronger relationship builder and so forth. I think that this would be a useful um, tool for them.
0: Oh, that's so good. And I I think it's so needed. I think, especially, well, I'm going to ask you this question as the expert, how much more important is this book Now, given the increase in remote work or the move to hybrid
1: work. So I think it's even it's even more important just because of the way that we interact with each other is a little bit different as well. And it's about getting accustomed to, you know, as a manager. Okay, so I don't see my folks all the time. Am I feeling insecure about the fact that because I don't see you, I feel like you're not doing your work? Is that really my issue? And being able to take that step back and say, OK, wait a minute, where's the issue? And if there is an issue, let's have a conversation about it. Um, right. So, yes, I do think that definitely it is good. And, and also, on, on the other hand, also just being able to be upfront and stating, you know, what it is that we we need. Um, So I have a lot of tools in there in terms of um, ways that you can express yourself to make sure that your needs are being met, that people are aware of. Here's what I need to be able to be successful. So yes, I think that the current environment just makes what was there before an even more pressing issue.
0: Oh, you are speaking to the choir. Um, A a good friend of mine kind of brought that out. We were talking about toxic workplaces and bad managers, and this seems to be such a hot topic right now. And she kind of said, this has been here all along. It's Mm -hmm. just been exacerbated by the fact that we're now online and you can't have a quick, like, sorry for being abrupt in that meeting. Let's grab a coffee and make up, right? You know, let's kiss and make up. So to speak there, there isn't that anymore you literally have to schedule a meeting to talk about the meeting that you had, you know, it's just, it's unlikely to happen. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's very interesting um, to, to think about how we can leverage some of the content of this work into the virtual and remote world, which I just think, I think it's, I'm fascinated by it because Mm -hmm. I think managers and people need to take their communication skills, um, active listening skills, networking skills, relationship building skills, collaboration skills, literally up like 10
1: levels if they want to be really successfully successful virtually. Yes, totally agree with you. And also uh, back to because you use the word and it's one of my favorite um, concepts is about self-awareness as well. So really checking in on yourself and finding out, OK, is this about me? Or is there really a situation, right? Because as I'm sure you're aware, sometimes it is just about us. There's just something that's under our skin or whatever. Um, and then it becomes this big issue. So it's really about exercising that self-awareness about what's really going on with ourselves personally. Oh, I'm such a such a proponent of self-awareness. And, it, you know, it's something,
0: you know, we're, I'm, I'm I'm still working on it. I think something happened a couple of weeks ago and I... I messaged someone and I said you know can you believe that happened why did that happen I feel really icky inside and da, 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 da. and I had to sit back and you know this friend wisely said like sit with it sit with it for a minute and figure out um, why you're feeling the way you're feeling and then decide whether you want to act on it or say something or do something totally. and I remember going back sitting with it and it was really truly more about me than that other person it was really truly more about my my ego and 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 this that and the other and so i I think self-awareness is probably the top skill that you can have as an individual as a leader um if you want to lead other people
1: for sure can i tell you a quick story about self-awareness um I only want to hear from you, Dion. so yes. <laughs> so um, it's, it's funny that you bring out that point about self-awareness. So a few years ago, um, I was actually having um, a situation, and it's funny because at the moment, I thought that I was quite self-aware. So to your point that self-awareness isn't kind of a destination that we arrive and we get a badge and say, okay, now we're self-aware. It's like ongoing because there yes. are they're, they're always new things and experiences, and we grow, we change, all kinds of stuff. So I was working with a leader who was who was just, we were not a good fit, <clears throat> kind of um, punching all of my buttons. <clears throat> and I found myself being very triggered all the time. So fast forward, I ended up in a discussion with an individual who I was in, introduced to, um, who's, who's, a, who's a mentor of mine, a now mentor, but this is the very first time we met. And she asked me about it. And this was within the first, I would say, 15 minutes of us meeting is I started telling her the story and literally she just met me and she said to me she basically she said you need to get over yourself she said this is all about you this is about your ego and it was very off-putting for me because it was like but I just met you how could you be saying all this stuff and she's the loveliest person and she said to me because she could see herself in me years ago so as I was talking she can relate to everything that I was saying so and literally after that discussion, and it was a lunch, literally when I went back that afternoon, everything was different because back to some of the points you were making earlier, it was about me taking things too personally and taking a step back and saying, this is not about me. This is just how that person operates all the time. So it makes a very dramatic difference. So that's a, that was just another reinforcing point for me of how powerful being self-aware is. And sometimes you do need that external person to call you out and have that honest conversation with you and let you know no I think um this might actually be about you
0: it's you know I I I I think that's a fantastic story and it similarly resonates with me Dion because I recently had a scenario where, you know, I, if you had asked me a year ago, do I have ego? I would have said, (laughs) no, I have no ego. I don't care. I'm easygoing. I'm not fussed about that kind of stuff. If someone has a better idea, I'm here for it. And it was only, you know, this year that I experienced that I do have some ego, right? I do. Mm -hmm. I do have some, and you know, this particular individual just knew how to access it yes you know it deeply affected me like i i can't describe how not myself i became
1: Mm -hmm.
0: because i let that i I couldn't because i couldn't figure it out i think was the key i I mean i think i was super self-aware i was trying all kinds of different things i was trying to talk to a bunch of people to try and figure out if someone could just say nicole this is what's happening. You're just not seeing it. And eventually I think it was my husband probably irritated that he had to hear this from me for so long that kind of coached me through it and kind of uncovered where it's at. And, and I think it was, it's a huge revelation. And I also got a coach. Um, and that is such an amazing way to kind of <laughs> dig through some of those self-awareness things and, and get someone else to say, tell me more about that or, What, 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 what's hurting you about that? What's bothering you about that? Tell me more, tell me more to dig into that self-awareness. So, oh, I've got, I've got chills, Dion, because I'm now very thrilled to go grab your book immediately because I think it's um, something that I want to share with people too, because I think it's so important.
1: Oh, cool. Thank you so much.
0: (laughs) So now I want to know all about the process. So I remember uh, from when we, you know, when we knew each other, you were a, And how can I say this in the kindest way, like a total book nerd? (laughs) (laughs) I still am. And I mean that with absolute (laughs) adoration. You literally had like read like a business book a night, it seemed like. And I found that so admirable that, you know, to be honest, I have to credit you. I, you know, I realized how much more I needed to, um, read into those things and, and, and be a little bit more up to date. And so I now have a personal habit that I read 10 pages. It's actually part of my challenge as well. 10 pages of a nonfiction or business book every single day. And it's been life-changing. So I'm so curious how, you know, as someone who has been um, a total business book nerd said Mm -hmm. lovingly um, you made this transition into author and what that process
1: was like. Yes. So I am still a book nerd. So, and I do love nonfiction. Um, So really, so it was the idea and I had this idea and also I I really am about being lighthearted because I really do think as well as the self-awareness, all that other stuff. Sometimes we also just need to kind of see the humor in some of the moments. So I really um, like to inject humor. So basically I came up with the idea around um what do you call it building out a book about these different personality types and it's very very nerd-like I actually had it in an excel spreadsheet where I had all of the different personality types what do they look like how do you identify them how does it impact the um, team members so then that was like the core like the meat of the book and then afterwards I just started to um write stories around it so what I would do is just freehand writing concept stories um, anecdotes that I was that I was familiar with. Um, and then afterwards, once I, I had a lot of those written down, then I just kind of transposed those over to um, you know, word, started to to actually document it in word. And interestingly, that conversation I just shared with you about the self-awareness happened around that time. So that's how the whole first part came uh, came to being where it's like, oh, I have to really go deep on the self-awareness piece before we even start talking about any of these personality types. So it really was, it's kind of, I, I see it as kind of my art. Some people paint, some people sing, some people draw. And for me, it's about writing. And have you always liked writing? I actually have always liked writing, to be honest. I'd never aspire to be a writer. But if I think back, like, for example, I've kept a diary since I was probably about 12 years old. Um, so yeah, I've always been writing. It's, it's always been a really strong way that I would express myself. Whenever I was in school, on teams in university, I was always the one put in charge of, okay, at the end, you need to be the one to pull everything together and make it sound good. Um, so, yes, I've always um, been uh, enjoyed writing and had, I guess, some kind of a, a skill for it. But it wasn't until the last few years that I actually decided, you know what, I think I'm going to write a book. I love it. And
0: how was your creative process? Like, do you I always envision, you know, in the movies, someone sitting in front of their their typewriter, you know, <laughs> ripping out pages, crumpling them up. And obviously that's not our, our reality right now, but. What was that process like for you? Or did it just flow out?
1: Well, yes. Well, it depends. So my process has always been, I because I I always see it from a very creative perspective. So it's actually like a bunch of notebooks that I have, no lines. And I would just basically, like I said, kind of put a statement in the middle of it, um, in the middle of the page. And then write like every thought that I had around that particular statement. So for example, let's say something like, Political animals, right? Like political animals, I mean, office politics. Yeah. And then I would just write a whole bunch of phrases, everything that would come to my mind about that. And then, and I would just go on like that with all other types of phrases or ideas that I wanted to share in the book, very randomly, not saying, okay, this is a chapter, that's a chapter, getting out as much as possible in terms of the idea creation. And then after doing that for a while and pages and pages of all these random um, thoughts at that point now going back to them and saying, OK, these two kind of go together. So let me group these together. And now starting to sort through them and starting to put them into some sort of a um, like an order. And of course, lots of the ideas went nowhere. But sometimes, as you I'm sure you're aware of, sometimes one idea that goes nowhere was actually the trigger for something else that was better that actually makes it its way into the book. Right. So that's my process. So it starts very organically, but then it gets to be a lot more process oriented in terms of just driving out the various chapters, which at times, sure, it's slow and creative and all that other stuff. And at other times, it's a grind. But um, you just work through those, uh, those, those, the challenging times to get um, through to the end of it.
0: And did you have like a schedule, like I have to write, you know, a chapter a week? Did you have deadlines? Tell me about the, the publishing editing process. I'm really, really sure. curious about it.
1: Sure. So I decided to do the self publishing, which means that um, what I did, so of um, I would then hire like a copy editor, and folks to help me with all of those various aspects. So yes, I would give myself um, timelines in terms of finishing up it wouldn't so much be chapters it would more be like big chunks of time because i do need like a big chunk of time i can't really write in half an hour but i it give me five hours and i could get through a whole bunch of stuff so i gave myself timelines um went away to a friend's cottage sometimes for the weekend and just wrote for the whole weekend and then at the end of that i would then hand it off to a copy editor who would then go through it you know um grammatical stuff saying, well, you know, you started this, this idea, but you never really closed it out and really pointing out all of those things to me to tighten up the content. Um, and then once I finished that process, what I did is I had selected five good friends, people I know who, one, the, the content would be relevant for, and two, they would actually give me honest feedback and I gave it to them as a first draft just to give them for them to read it and let me know if it made sense to them. Was it valuable? Did they think, um, were were my examples good? And then once I got the feedback from them, I was able to tighten up the final draft. Um, And then again, soliciting um, freelancers to do my editing um, um, and and having like a, a, sorry, a a self-publisher who then helped me to get the book published and post it on on Amazon. So yes, I kind of pulled together my team of folks who took it over the finish line for me.
0: Awesome. And would you do anything differently next time?
1: Well, I'm in the middle. Um, um, actually, I'm almost finished the draft of my second book. So Dion, think, you're an animal. I love it. So, um, yes, I learned a lot from the first um, time. Also, a lot of the editing notes that the copy editor provided me in terms of where I could tighten things up. I was now able to incorporate that from day one. But still, I have a great copy editor who's going through it and providing you with feedback. So I think the marketing piece is what I'm doing a lot better this time. And also I have more capacity to do it this time than I did before around really getting the messaging out. So I think that's the main thing that I would do that I'm now doing differently, I should say.
0: I love it. I love it. Thank you for sharing that with me. And that's, you know, all totally personally driven. As I mentioned before we started recording, I'm I'm, I, I can't really say I want to write a book. I want to say I, I want to write a companion guide to the leadership training that I do. That, you know, it could be a standalone book, but I'm, I'm, toying, I'm toying with my uh, limiting beliefs in that regard. But it's something I'm certainly playing with. And I have about 750 post-it notes on my <laughs> wall next to me. I wish I could show them to you. And they are all the topics that I would want to include and, you know, little different ideas I have. So um, it's it certainly, it's sitting in the back of my mind. So I'm very thankful that you shared your, shared your secrets. And I, I may at some point reach out to you and ask you to share some of your um, resources um, in that regard. So I, I might be able to access those. For sure. Anytime. Um, what's, You know, we talked a little bit about this, but what's the one message that you want to get out to the world? And, you know, you can definitely refer to your upcoming book as well. I can't believe it at the whiteboard guests, you know, or uh, listeners. We not only have an author on the on the podcast, we have a two time author, which I think is spectacular.
1: Um, I think the main message is really that we're responsible for our experiences Right. So, um, whether it means asking for what it is that we need, uh, maybe it means recognizing that we're in a toxic work environment because there are toxic work environments, and maybe it's not a good place for us, and we need to work someplace, look for something different, even if it takes you know months or years making that commitment. So, I think the the main takeaway is the fact that we are responsible for our experience that we have in life in general and definitely with respect to our work lives and we have far more control over it than we may believe that we do
0: that is a really powerful message dion that is that's a game changer right that moving from i'm the victim in this workplace or i'm the victim of this individual to i have control over this Mm -hmm. i I, I I can make choices. I can, and my husband, he used to um, he used to always quote this one quote, particularly when we were having an argument, which I found infuriating. But I can't <laughs> deny that his advice was was sage, and it was you know we we can control we can't control what's happening, but we can control how
1: we react. Yep, absolutely. And and sometimes we might be in a toxic work environment that we're choosing to be in. Because it's going to be like really valuable experience that's really going to allow us to leapfrog to get to the next position. And again, being aware of the fact that, okay, although these things are terrible, this is how this is working for me. And just being honest with ourselves about those things. So, yes, um, we do have a lot of control and we are in a place of choice at any given point in time.
0: That's very interesting, too. I'd love to touch on this idea because I've had a lot of conversation with folks recently about toxic work environments and burnout and stress. So how do you differentiate between um, I'm working for someone who has a different communication style, personality style, you know, or my ego is suffering versus this place is toxic?
1: So I guess, OK, so I think the way that I would approach that is firstly, being in a situation, you're in a situation and you're unhappy for whatever reason, you're feeling stressed and all that other stuff, personality clashes. So I think the first part is to kind of check yourself and figure out, again, as we talked about before, is this me? Am I taking things personally? All that stuff. So you go through that and you read and you make whatever adjustments you need to make. And then as well, um, you ask for what you need. So, for example, maybe... Maybe your boss always verbally says what it is that they need, and you're always getting it wrong, and then you have to do rework. Well, maybe you need to say, you know what, do you mind just sending that to me in a quick email? I just want to make sure that I I get it accurate, or whatever it is that you need to ask for to be able to be successful. And once you've tried a few things to try and make the situation work, and it isn't getting better, I think at that point in time is when you're like, yeah, no, I've done what I can. And I think I need to be in an environment where that's a better fit for me. Amazing,
0: um, that that's really really great advice, and 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 helps us kind of start to differentiate there. Because I think people throw around toxic work environment a lot, um, but what I question is is that people um, individuals reacting personally to a particular leader's style or communication style or abruptness or Mm -hmm. whatever that might be. Um, And and then also handling their own ego issues around that rather than pure toxicity.
1: Right, right. So yeah, but think if you go through those checks and you try and make it work and it's still not getting better, I think at that point. And as well, as you mentioned as well, maybe even reaching outside of yourself, whether it's a, a valued friend, colleague or a coach, Or somebody who could give you that objective view as well. That would be helpful.
0: Yes. I always call my most, uh, you know, you know how you always have a few friends and you can call one friend and they'll just be like, oh, that person is the worst. They're awful. You're so much better than this. And that feels good (laughs) for a minute. It does. Right. Feels great. And then I also always call my friend who's super straight with me Mm -hmm. and will say like, well, how many, how many spelling errors did you have in the document, Nicole? (laughs) You'll go, yeah, I definitely had 15 spelling errors. Okay. I hear you. I'm Mm -hmm. I'm on it. I'm over it. Yes. So it's, um,
1: we all need one of
0: those friends. You always have to have one of those friends. And it was actually, uh, it's my, my, one of my very best friends that I always told this story about Um, when I was teaching Myers-Briggs work and saying, you know, this is how you can start to kind of tell the differences between someone who has a thinking style and a feeling style. Um, And I use this example of my best friend when my grandfather was unwell and, and really not doing well. And she said, well, honey, he's old. What did you expect? And, you know, people always gasp at that statement. And whenever, when I told her that this was the story I shared about her, you know, she cried and she said, how, I was trying to make you think objectively about the situation mm-hmm. so that you wouldn't feel sad. Right. And I thought, "Oh my goodness, isn't that amazing perspective?" Mm-hmm. Right? That of course, I don't know why we immediately jump to someone's intent is poor. Exactly. Right? Mm-hmm. And something my former business partner used to say all the time is like 99% of people are trying to do a good job. They're mm-hmm. trying to be good people. Um, There there aren't that many people out there who are literally trying to uh, covertly, you know, steal your job, steal your ideas, do this, that and the other. The majority of people are good. So why we often jump to someone must be doing this to hurt me when in reality, it's more about they're just approaching it in a different way.
1: Yeah. And that's probably how she approaches things in her life. And she finds it useful. (laughs) And she genuinely, well, she she shared that. She genuinely thought it would be a helpful thought for you.
0: And, you know, she's the person I call when I need the direct line. (laughs) Right, right. She is absolutely that person I call when I say, I'm pretty sure I'm overreacting. I'm pretty sure that I'm just getting over-offended. Can you give me the direct perspective on this? And it's always bang on. So, again, it's that self-awareness. I think if I didn't take the time to have that conversation with her and even share that little story with her, I never would have truly, truly understood the depths behind it. Yes.
1: Exactly. Great so, story.
0: Mm-hmm. Dion, can you share one secret tip from your book? Either, either the one that you've already got or, or the one that's upcoming um, sure. that you can share with us. A se- super secret tip.
1: Sure. Well, one of the strategies, because I have a a number of strategies in terms of, as I had mentioned, taking care of ourselves and making sure that we're we're getting what we need. And one of my favorite strategies is to just simply ask for what you need. So I just shared that one idea about Well, you know, can you just write it down for like, send it to me in an email, but I'll share like a very quick story with you where there was an individual that I knew. So this is a true story. And regularly her boss on Friday afternoons will send over some sort of an assignment and it would always throw her off because, you know, she's made plans. She has a family. Um, She was chronically late on Friday evenings or they had to cancel or postpone um, plans because she was working late regularly on Fridays to get these last minute requests completed so she finally mustered up the courage um to like have this speech she's going to have this conversation with her boss it was their performance review time and she ran it past a few colleagues and said this is what I'm going to say what do you think whatever fine walks in and she she tells her boss basically how impactful and stressful this is that she is continually expecting her to stay late every Friday night to get her work done and all this stuff. And her boss said to her, I never expected you to get that done on Friday evening. I mean, it was great that you did, but like it could have been done on Monday or Tuesday. I just figured that you wanted to get it off your desk. So again, back to ask for what you need. Your boss is sending you these requests on Friday afternoon, a simple um, question. Hey, can I get this to you end of day Monday? The answer is either going to be yes or no. And this created a ton of stress for this individual in her work life, as well as her family life as well. So again, we're not always going to get what we need, but the more we ask for it, the more often we are going to get what it is that we need.
0: That is a amazing, super secret tip and an easy one. And it's a, it's a great thing to, start advocating for ourselves, right? If you need something different, can
1: you just ask for it? So I love that one. Mm-hmm. So what's next on the horizon for you? So as I mentioned, so I'm finishing up my book. It's about building trust at work. Um, and it's just, it, it's poking fun a little bit in terms of some of the things that corporations do and leaders in corporations that they think is building trust, which isn't. Um, but on a more practical sense, it actually it's giving managers a lot of tools in terms of the things that they could do on a daily basis um, to foster trust among their team members, their colleagues, the, their leaders. Because, interesting, when we're talking about those toxic work environments and things like that, often people complain about the, the volume of work and the long hours. And what I've experienced is there's a lot of work and long hours, no matter where you go, is my experience. But when you're in that situation, in a trusting environment, where you, you feel that your team members, your leaders, they all have your back, it's a completely different experience, even though you may be working just as many or even more hours in those trusting environments, it's a complete difference. Um, so that's the reason why I thought that was such a um, a valuable topic to, to write about. So that's my next book that's coming out um, early in 2022.
0: How exciting. And I cannot wait to hear the saucy title. Oh.
1: Yes, I'm still (laughs) throwing that around a little bit. But yes, I'll find one.
0: (laughs) I'm sure it'll be amazing. So where can folks find your book and find you to connect with you, learn with you and experience
1: the amazing brilliance that is Dion England? Sure. Um, So the the book is available on Amazon as well as on Audible. And if you wanted to connect with me on Instagram, it's at Dion the Writer. And my, that's also my website, DionneTheWriter.com. And you can also find me on LinkedIn. And I actually post videos, um, like five, four to five minute videos every Thursday with various tips in terms of being more effective as a manager or just managing work life. um, Little hacks around managing our work life.
0: That's fantastic. Uh, Well, I've so appreciated having you here, Dion. I know that um, I am... uh, chomping at the bit to get my my hands on that book and add it to my i'm just finishing up dale carnegie's how to win friends and influence people an oldie but a goodie. classic
1: totally classic yes Uh, and
0: and i am looking forward um to i've got a couple on the go and i i want to add um i want to add yours to my list so i'm very very excited about it thanks for joining us today it's been it's been really wonderful
1: it has been wonderful as well thanks so much nicole have a great day
0: I would love you to do me a huge favor right now by supporting this podcast, but you're saying I'm already listening. Isn't that supporting? I'm so thrilled that you do. If you could do me one quick favor by rating and reviewing this podcast, that will ensure that at the whiteboard gets into the ear of every leader in order to do it, locate the at the whiteboard podcast, And make sure you're on the landing page for the podcast listing and not just an individual episode. Scroll down to the bottom until you reach ratings and reviews. Now, before you quickly go click the five stars, which is wonderful, even better is to go leave a review. We love your feedback and thoughts, and we love to continue providing you the value that you're looking for, tips and practical things that you can do to make yourself a Limitless Leader yours limitlessly. Until next time.